It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the Hive Jive. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, Miss Natalie. Hello, Mr. John. How are you doing? We're hanging in there. <laughs> I say that for both of us. <laughs> so uh, for, for everybody listening, today's episode may not have as much energy and or uh, hilarity to it. And that's that's because I'm suffering from like a borderline migraine. And uh, Natalie has been Back to pain. the doctor today. She's got pain. She got shots. Those hurt. <laughs> like, shots. I got two shots. Yes. Yeah. So we're <laughs> we're just all kinds of in good shape to talk to y'all today. <laughs> and it's rainy and it's gray and it's just kind of like, eh, we're going to keep it Yep, that is true. It is raining here at the moment. We are anticipated to get anywhere from three to five inches overnight. And so that's a lot. That's a lot of rain wow. in a short amount of time. So I'm expecting there to be uh, small gullies washed out of the, uh, well, the latter part of what used to have been a driveway. Wow. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. Yeah. At least it's not ice. So hopefully it won't freeze over. That's true. But, but the funny thing is, like, the ice finally went away. Day before yesterday so we're just now got rid of all the ice and now it's going to rain so no chance to really be outside doing anything um, the there's always yeah. something going on the chickens finally got the hint though with the ice storm and then there being ice literally on the ground for an entire week they were still putting out i was getting between 12 and 15 eggs a day even though we're in the middle of winter. And then now after the ice storm, I'm I'm back to normal people standards. I get maybe three or four a day if I'm lucky. <laughs> oh, okay. So they know it's winter now. They, they know it's winter now. Um, but I was really getting used to like, I was getting in the rhythm of, of being able to find homes for these dozens of eggs every single right. week. And, uh, and now all of a sudden people are like, hey, more, more. Yes. Yes. I got a little, I got a little uh, chicken door. You did. Now, here's the funny thing. That is the one that I tried to order and oh. got scammed and got the cheap knockoff ripoff versions of it. Did you order so, it on, on the website that shall not be named or did you uh, order it on a, a website separate, like uh, its own website? Uh, my mistake was I had been doing research and stuff on all the different doors and I had decided to go with that one, but then got sidetracked. And ended up seeing an ad pop up for it and said oh, that it was on sale. No. Oh, and I was wow. like, oh, hey, yeah, that's right. That's the one I was going to get. And so I clicked it and I went through. Everything was legit, quote unquote, as far as what it said and what it showed. But in reality, I was buying knockoff plastic versions from China. And yeah, it was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> so I still have to purchase uh, the legit ones that will... <laughs> open and close like I want them to so we don't have to go mucking around in the mud and bad weather and things like that so yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyhow that's neither here nor here and definitely not about bees so uh, our conversation today is regarding queens and we are going to be talking about our favorite processes or techniques for raising queens for our own use and our own apiary so 
there's lots of different methods out there and I have tried all of them <laughs> almost minus oh, wow. artificial insemination. That's the only thing I've never done is artificial wow. insemination. But if you look at the aspects of going through and doing grafting, I've done grafting. I have done the, um, Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Is it the JB? Um, J um, Jay-Z, 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 BZ, something like that. The little boxes that have the individual cells. I've so done NICAT those. System. There's also the NICOT system. And that, well, that's what it is. That, yeah, that's what it is. The NICOT system. Yeah. Um, which it, it's a little plastic container and it has tons of these little plastic queen cups and you install it as if it were an actual frame and you trap the queen in there and she will lay in all those little cups. And then you can take the cups out, hook them into vertical bars that actually then let them hang down. Uh, well, you hook them vertically into a horizontal bar. Let me rephrase that so that they can hang down and actually mimic a queen cell and the workers will go through and do that. So I've done those. I've done um, force them to make emergency cells. I've used swarm cells. So I've done all the different types of how to get a queen. Um, And I have some some thoughts and opinions and we've talked about some of these subjects along the way. So I'm curious from your perspective, uh, based on the knowledge that we have today on genetics and queen selection from the, the workers themselves and things like that, what is your preferred method on if you were going to raise new queens for your apiary? Okay, so I'm going to be speaking from my current experience, which is somewhat limited. Um, I've been so busy developing the apiary and everything and, and the, the, the business that I haven't had as much time to do the queen rearing as I wanted. However, I'm able to do like basic grafting and rearing uh, queen cells and and whatever happens with splits and all that stuff um i've tried also the uh punching method where you have like a you cut a, a slice of comb with eggs in them and then you hang it vertically and let the bees kind of draw them down like that you have to kind of punch out every other one and um i would say i'm, I'm kind of a keep it simple person uh and and this year i'm going to try to do um i've got a a ton of really good books about queen rearing and i'm reading the doolittle one and i've got all these plans that i want to kind of like try all those systems now that i have a little bit more time um i have the nicot system as well so a lot of it is still theory my favorite from experience and conceptually at the same time would be to um, collect queen cells from swarming colonies and use those into mating nukes um, and or uh, let them uh, emerge. And there's a trend right now that's going on the, the cell or use virgin queens and just kind of it's a little bit easier uh, for them to not be damaged and, and all that good stuff. Um, like if you're ordering them or if you're shipping them, if they're not mated, then they're not suffering from heat. They're not suffering from all kinds of things, right? So uh, from that standpoint, I'm I'm digressing, but basically shorter the long, I've done mostly grafting and and the queen cells um, from my colonies. So I really, really think that the grafting to me is inferior in quality of product that you get out of those because they're... um, they're getting picked when they're already a day or so into their development after they've uh, hatched from the eggs and uh, so that they're big enough so you can see them and pick them up and put them in the uh, the, the, the rearing cells. 
But um, that means they've been fed worker jelly and an inferior diet at that uh, compared to just queen jelly and and which is much richer. So from the get go, you're missing out on the. There's three days for them to to kind of like you know I mean three days five. Uh, I forget four days. Anyway, the point is that you you're really taking away quite a bit of um, chunk of their larval developmental stage, uh, and you're feeding them. They've been fed with inferior diet. Yeah, it's a three day so, window is like the kind of the max. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and and even the further into that second and third day and stuff you get, right. the more chance you run of. Maybe she doesn't fully develop. Maybe she's not as big. Maybe she doesn't have as much capacity as she would have otherwise. Right. Things like that. So when I was saying three days, that's your window to do the grafting. But yeah. then the larva itself, before it, it uh, pupates, it takes still, still a little bit longer than that. But the point is, yes, you're taking that many, at least about a day, basically, to be able to graft them. And so you're losing that advantage. And the epigenetics is huge when it comes to queen rearing, right? So... Um, there's a huge delay in them turning that those genes on um, and, and kind of um, getting reared as workers for an extra period of time. So um, I don't really care for that. I think that swarm cells, as far as I'm concerned, are probably going to be the best uh, quality queens, especially in swarm, swarming conditions. And um, I know there's a lot of people that do grafting that sell queens that will tell you that if you're doing it right, the, the grafting can be just as good um, as the natural cells. But I don't think that's the case. I mean, I, how can we do any better than the bees if we can't even feed the queens uh, as queens from the get-go, right? So right. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, it, but then you have to kind of like make sure that the colony has the resources to rear those. And again, that's why I prefer the, the swarm cells, because that means that they have enough resources. They have a lot of bee bread, a lot of nectar coming in, the perfect conditions for them to be fat and happy. Uh, my least favorite method, I don't like the grafting so much but I would do it for larger quantities of, of bees as opposed to using the swarm cells because that's a limited amount. You only get like maybe 15, maybe more if you have a really large colony, um, <clears throat> but you don't, it's limited, right? And you don't know, you know, the first few ones are really nicely plump because they were wanted, you know, when you have children, they either wanted or an accident kind of a thing. They were really, really wanted. And um, I think that that's the kind that, that they're the, the ones meant to emerge first, right? So um, the, I, I really don't like getting queens from anything from splits to emergency uh, queen rearing cells when we're forcing a split on a colony. That's not really queen rearing at a large scale, but it is still considered queen rearing um, because you're growing queen, excuse me. <clears throat> so emergency cells is my least favorite. And, and between that, the, the grafting um, is what I would say. Um, I have tried the punched cell, like I mentioned, where you cut the strip of uh, wax and you punch every other one and uh, you suspend it. And I think that, uh, you know, if you put it in the good, solid um, um, queen, um, whatever that's called, I forget, the one where you're giving them a lot of nurse bees and yeah, resources. Nurse, nursery colony. 
Yeah. It's basically, uh, it's just a ton of nurse bees that are hopelessly queenless and have a ton of food correct. and no and babies said, whatsoever. <laughs> there's a, there's other, there's another name and I forget what it is, but yeah, that's a nursery colony is what it is. And um, <clears throat> I, I think it works pretty well. Uh, it's super easy. That's kind of like the equivalent of grafting without grafting, uh, which can be tricky anyway. Um, but it, it's also uh, this way you know that they're getting the care they need right away as they hatch. Less crowder. Some huh? people also call that a cell builder, I think. That's what I was looking for, the cell builder, because they're going to, there's a cell builder, the cell finisher, the mating yeah. nuke, you know, those three steps. Um, <clears throat> where you get the, the cell builder is like packed shock full uh, with, um, you know, queen nurses, sorry, nurses that are really going to feed those larvae really fat and happy. Once they get capped um, you know, or are almost getting capped, it doesn't really matter because they're not going to be fed. So you get that self finisher uh, to do the work. Um, and then mating nukes is for when they've emerged, uh, you know, the queen cells are going to emerge there. They're going to go and mate and come back. And it's a temporary colony that's going to hold them until they're coming back mated so can, they can be harvested. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the um, the nursery colony, the cell builder with uh, that punched out method works pretty well. Um, it's just, you know, probably just as good as swarming conditions. Um, yeah, so I think that's, I don't remember what I was going to go with that, but that's kind of <laughs> my experience with things. I, I was going to try the NICUT system. And I kept it in my truck, kept it in my truck, kept it in my truck, and I never really did anything with it because I was like, ah, I don't need that many queens anyway. So, so here's the kind of my my perspective on the whole thing. Um, I I started off doing grafting. That was the first thing that I learned how to go through and do. And then from there, I got the NICOT system. And the NICOT system, the instructions are not. Uh, English as a first language, definitely. No, definitely they're, not. They're, they leave a lot to the imagination. And I had to do several trial and error attempts with it in my first like couple of months using it to really figure out how it was actually going to work better for me. But the, the upside that I will say to the NICOT system versus doing grafting is that you know immediately that it's an egg and it hasn't actually hatched yet or it just hatched right. like you can monitor it and you're not right. in there potentially damaging it trying to scoop it up or anything else right. so That's you can you can get the timing very very much more precise than you can when you're right. doing grafting especially if you're just you're just starting off or your eyes aren't good or anything like that um and it also it takes a very steady hand and a smooth technique to go through and get them without damaging them and, and make sure you scoop them up under them and all that other stuff. So the NICOT system was kind of interesting, but one of the things that I learned on it was, you know, they tell you just to put your queen in there for like 24 hours and then take her out. And mm -hmm. oh, you I, told me that. <laughs> yeah. I found that like, sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes 24 hours, she's still mad and she hasn't laid a single egg. <laughs> So I go ahead and leave her in there for, you know, two to three days, depending on what's going on. But I come out there every day and I check it. And, and you, it's really easy to check because you can hold it up to the light. And when the light shines through it, you can see looking from the backside if there's eggs in the bottom of those cells. Right. 
And so you're like, oh, okay, you know, you're good to go. Um, you don't want to leave her in there too long. So you do want to monitor it each day because if you leave her in there too long, she gets bored and starts repeating herself because there's nowhere else to lay. So then you will get right. multiple eggs in a cell. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's not because she's doing anything wrong. It's because you've trapped her in a space of only like 30 cells. So, or I think 50 actually is what it comes in. But um, so I did like that process. And the other thing that I did learn though, is that you, you, they have to be a larva. You have to wait till they hatch. You can't take the egg from there and stick it into your builder colony or your nursery colony because oh. that genetic smell, the scent did not come from them. And every time I tried it, now this doesn't mean that it's 100% that way for everybody, but every time I tried it, they would cannibalize the eggs. They would literally eat the eggs out of all the freaking cells that I had just put in there and I would get no queens. I'd come back out to check progress and make sure they were getting fed and there'd be nothing. It'd be empty cells. And I'd be like, what the heck? So <laughs> I, I learned real quick that if you leave the queen in there for two to three days, you let her out, then you hold it up and you look and you can see which ones have just hatched, which ones haven't. You're completely controlling the narrative because you know on day one, there was nothing in there. So you right. know how old those eggs are. You take those ones that have just hatched and they've got a tiny little bit of liquid and you go and you stick them over there and they right. will turn the larva into a queen every time versus potentially cannibalizing the egg. Um, so I did like using that system. I did it so I retrofitted the whole thing to make it uh, compatible with the top bar. I actually have the Nikot box attached to a top bar and then Ooh. I've got permanent mounts for the actual queen cells already attached to a top bar. So when I pull it out of the Nikot, I can snap it straight in and just Yay. stick that bar in there and it's good to go. So the orientation stays the same for the bees and for the queen. And there's really not any issue with it. So it's it's great from that standpoint. I've done the punch method that you're talking about. I didn't really like it. Um, mm -hmm. It's too easy. And, and especially depending on the wax and things like that, it's too easy to screw it up to mm -hmm. accidentally smash it, twist it, break it, you know, somewhere that you didn't necessarily want that to happen. So right. that one was a little bit more challenging, even though it is kind of an easy, you just cut a strip and stick it up there and crush every so many in between. So you've got enough right. space for a decent sized queen cell in there. Um, but yeah, I, I, that one wasn't really my favorite. But now this is going to go contrary to to what you were saying. Uh, uh -huh. And there's a <laughs> there's a reason to the method in my mind anyway. Um, the one thing that all of these processes leave out is the bee's choice, the bee's decision, and the genetic profile yes. of the actual eggs. Egg. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so we've learned over the years now, and I this is something that I kind of started trying to implement, and, and it started leading me away from some of these other aspects. So when the bees go through and they decide, even if it's an emergency queen cell or if it's a legitimate going to be a queen, they go through and they pick genetic profiles. And there is such a thing as a royal lineage that is a genetic marker that does not show up in the worker bees, but does show up in the drones and in the queens. And the reason that we don't find it in the worker bees is because when it's supposed to be a worker bee, they remove it. But right. if it's supposed to be a queen, they seek it out and select it to become the queen. And because of that weird little nuance and that one decision that the workers themselves are making, they know what they're doing. And therefore, they're going to give you the best superior queen that you can possibly get. So allowing them to do swarm cells, 100% yeah. is going to be your best option. If you, every time. 
if you don't have a colony that's ready to swarm and you force them to make queens, you do end up with your emergency cells, but there's some tricks that you can do to that. Never take the first couple that show up. Like you gotta go through and monitor it and watch it. The first couple that they start on may have been too far along in development, but the ones that come after that are the ones that have just hatched. And mm -hmm. therefore, you know, you've got the full developmental cycle. So it's almost kind of like if you're going through and you look at the, um, say you find a colony that's getting ready to swarm, you don't want them to, and you're going to limit the amount of options they have. So out of 20 queen cells, you're going to take them down to two and you select those two largest queen cells because they more than likely, if they have the biggest, longest cell, they've got the most dimpling to them, look more like a peanut. They've gotten more food. They've had more time to develop and it took the entire cycle. The short stubby ones probably were already at a stage of development too far along when they started that process, or they did not get as much food and nutrition to it. So you can use some of these visual cues, but if you take that information and you put it into practice with the concept of the emergency rearing, you can still be able to select queens that are gonna be legitimate. Now, the, the number one thing that made this successful for me is you have to have foundationless comb. You have to be able to do right. like a top bar hive because, so yeah, because then once you get that queen cell, you can actually cut that cell out without damaging it or anything else and attach it or put it over into another colony way easier. Um, so but that's, with the swarm cells. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, swarm cells are way easy though because they're already on the bottom. <laughs> right. well, but no, if it's, if it's hooked to a frame of foundation, then yes, that, that can be a yeah. challenge. In my top bar hives, they were making them. Yeah, a lot were on the on the outside, but a lot of them were in the center, and some two, three at a time. And so, yeah, I mean, the the point is, though, to your point, is uh, natural comb is best because that's the easiest to cut out and pull those out. And and what you do to put them in another a natural comb, you just kind of you can cut the hole. Yeah, you can make your, a shape and just insert it right in. <laughs> Uh, puzzle piece it uh but yeah so so yeah that i love that um that concept of royal lineage and i think it's still definitely the case in uh when you're doing swarm cells it's obviously not the case when you're doing emergency queen cells um or the punch out method that we were talking about and potentially uh, the nicot it's not going to be necessarily what she's trying to do here no uh, the, the, the nicot's not the grafting is not um, your emergency queen cells can be though, because they're actually selecting. You just have to be careful not to choose the first queen cells you find. You yeah, wait until those, they're a little bit further along. But those were not meant to be. They were meant to be workers. Right. They're gonna. So but that, that's that's the catch though. The queen still lays those eggs. Normally, the workers would cannibalize those and take them out, because that's so that's not. how you don't find that lineage in the worker population. But, but how do you get those royal lineage eggs after you've called out the first few queen cells if the queen's no longer in the colony, which is the requirement well, for them to make an emergency queen cell? Yeah, because you've got you've got a whole cell or sorry, you've got a whole comb of eggs. The first couple that they start on on that one comb, there's there's eggs in there, but you might have some larvae and stuff too. The first couple that they start on probably were already emerged and, and already into that developmental cycle. But there's still eggs in the rest of that cell that are going to be emerging today, tomorrow. So that's what right. I mean by you wait. You don't, you're not waiting a long time. You All just right. don't take the first couple they start on. You take the ones that they started on the next day type of thing. But how do you explain that they still have that royal lineage? 
Well, so from what I understood whenever I was talking to uh, Dr. Rangel about it is that it's there, it's present, but it's one of the reasons why sometimes we find like a spotty brood pattern. It can be because there's a genetic malformity or because it is potentially these royal lineage bees, but they don't make good workers. Just okay, like if that. you end up one that has like the, what do they call it? The, uh, there's a double genetic trait, which is almost like inbreeding. Uh, haplodiploidy. Yeah. Um, it's almost like inbreeding where you can get a worker that has more drone characteristics or a drone that has worker characteristics because there ended up being like a double A or a double B inside the genetic profile of them. You rarely see that come to adulthood That's because right. you yeah. can't think of what it's called, right? It's not, yeah, I, I, I think I have it. It's not haploid, haplodiploidy. That's the whole concept of the- Yeah, um, it's like a double, but it's like a double diploid kind of thing. Diploid drones. Diploid drones, yeah. You never really see those emerge to adulthood because the workers call them out as they're going through and doing stuff. And that's one of the reasons why sometimes you will have empty cells in a whole brood pattern, but there's no explanation as to, well, why did she skip that one? Or why did, well, she probably didn't, but the workers deemed that there was something that wasn't going to be good with that specific one. So they took that out of there. So that's the way that I've understood the research is right. not that, because it's not that the queen is choosing to okay. lay this royal lineage. Like she can People. choose... Yeah, she can choose fertilize or not fertilize, but she can't actually choose, okay, this one's going to be a royal queen. Right. But so it it comes out in just the natural progression of things. And then the bees go through and manage that. If it's supposed to be a worker and it's in that cell, it goes away. But if they're looking for a queen and they can find one that has that genetic profile, they will choose it over another one. Okay. And, and that, uh, thank you for explaining because I was, I, I, you said something about it and I missed it. Now that you're saying it, explaining it in other words, I, I, I remember what you were saying. The other thing is that, um, of course, you need eggs in there and you need a lot of nurse bees yes. uh, in your emergency. Yeah. You processes. can't, you can't come up to a colony that's not doing so great, doesn't have any food and yank the queen out of there and expect to get a decent quality queen. That's not necessarily going to happen at all. Um, but yeah, going over and, and having a colony that you, you've prepped and you're able to go through and have it stocked with a lot of the young nurse bees and not have any eggs or anything in there. That's actually your cell builder or your nursery colony where you're going to put in whatever you've grafted or whatever you've taken from the NICOT and put inside that. If you're doing the emergency one, then you don't have to kill your queen. She just needs to not be in there for a little while. He long did, enough for the colony. Whatever. Yeah. Long enough for the colony oh, to decide take, something's take going on. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. can you can do like a mini split. You can take a couple of frames out with her and with some nurse bees and have them sit over into a nuke just for a couple of days. And then you can go back and, and switch things out. The cells that they've started on can be moved over into a queen builder. You can take the entire frame or bar over there. Um, so there's different ways that you can manipulate it, but it depends on how hands on you want to be. Exactly. Or you can build an artificial, you know, nursery and, and just package chuck full of nurses and, and move the eggs or whatever uh that in that one so that you don't have to use the donor colony uh, necessarily yeah that is very true uh, the, but the key is they cannot have any larva it has capped broods fine right. or really yeah. old larva that already looks like a big old fat grub but they can't have any young larva or eggs or your nursery and builder colony will start building on its own and not necessarily yeah. what you've chose to put in there right 
Yeah. So those are yeah, those are the really the basics of uh, the extent of my real queen ring experience. I, I do have to say that I've watched Les Crowder do the grafting. Uh, and I've done it with uh, the same way he was doing after he showed me. Uh, I've done the Dr. Rangel uh, Queen Marine workshop, which is fantastic. Uh, and I've I've practiced with some friends the the the, the grafting, but Les does it with a twig. Yeah, he did, he's he, like a little stem of grass, something that's yeah, got a little flat spike to flat. it. Yeah. Yep like a spring and it's super soft and he's really super good at it. He's having a hard time doing it now because his hand is a little bit not as agile. Yeah. So um, he's having to graft with his left hand and it's not as easy that way. But I, I can't write my name and barely feed myself with my left hand. So yeah. I can't imagine <laughs> trying to try to graft with the opposite of your dominant hand. I don't see that happening. Yeah, yeah I don't see that happening either. That probably would be a lot of crushed larvae. Kind of yeah thing. yeah or dropped or it yeah it's not it's it's almost like a bead of sweat running down your face it's almost like you're yeah. cutting wires on a bomb or something <laughs> you know you're very tedious and you got to go slow and you're so worried and nervous it is it is very stressful to the first few times you try especially but the other thing that people need to remember and and a lot of you already know that is, is that you need to have the right conditions as well you don't want to dehydrate uh, that brood. So uh, a wet towel, uh, some not cold environments so when you're grafting, taking it inside or in your truck and just make sure it's got a lot of humidity and that it's really warm enough because they're very sensitive to temperature. So that's another aspect of queen uh, of grafting that you need to keep in mind. Queens in general are super sensitive to temperatures. Um, that damages their their uh, reproductive system, that damages their their sperm stores, that damages all kinds of things. So um, when it's too hot, and I think when it's cold as well, they have a narrow range, and I forget what that range is. But outside of that range, you're damaging queens, which is why it's hard to order grafted queens from breeders or mated queens from breeders uh, that are being shipped out um, because they, they suffer in transit, right? Well, the, and I think the, the, uh, I was going to say that's the advantage of the virgin queens. So on, on a virgin queen aspect of it, you could potentially have a downside too. If the breeder has a lot and they're not going through them or shipping them out enough, you could run the risk of eventually getting a drone laying queen because she Correct. misses her window of mating too. So that's but another. three weeks. Two to three. I think it takes about three weeks or four weeks. So the, the, the window for that is much larger. I mean, the the the, the problem is not as um, omnipresent with that. They have that. Um, they the know how old those things are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As long as you've got the as long as you've got the supply and demand and the turnover, so that you're they're emerging and you're going through and you're getting them all packaged up and shipped out. And it's, it's a quick turnaround happening within a week. And then they still got two weeks of their own time left. Sure. Right, um, but right. if you raise a bunch of them and you bank them and you leave them there, then oh, you're, no, you don't want to bank virgin. Yeah. Things, you're starting no, no, a yeah. ticking time bomb of problems. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, a, that's just a blank. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one of the, you get a dud. That's no fun. Um, so the other thing is like, Rearing them for yourself, obviously, is it's rewarding. It gives you a whole new perspective of going through and actually working with your bees. It makes you more connected with them because you had a hand in what your genetic profile was going to be, which colonies you chose to do the, the rearing from or to get the, the 
the raw material, the genetics of, so that you could go through and you could do these aspects and raise your queens. Um, I definitely don't have anything against ordering in queens either, but what I preferred to do is order in a queen of a genetic profile that I wanted to add some of those characteristics of, and I get a few of those in, and then those become my my parent colony, my mother queens, that I then raise my other queens off of, and I allow those queens to go and do open mating so that I am taking these genetic aspects that I liked of that lineage, and I am now blending them with whatever my local right. genetics are so that I can have queens that are better adapted with still adding in these different characteristics. So I like that concept a lot. That's what I always used to do. Um, I called them second gen. Those were my second generation queens because yeah. I'd order in a purebred first gen and then I'd open mate the rest. We're yeah. collecting thousands of different genetics because we want to increase the genetic diversity for our uh, colonies. But what you mentioned is very, um, it's another advantage of ordering um, virgin queens because you can get them from um, uh, some of the virgin queen producers. There's not a whole lot these days yet, uh, but I think it's an up and coming trend. And you get that uh, virgin queen into your apiary. She's got her own genetics that are really, uh, she's been bred for varroa tolerance and resistance and VSH and grooming and all that stuff. And then you bring her in and you let her mate with your local genetics. So that's the best of both worlds right there because you're getting half and half. So yeah, to your point, you don't have to wait for the second gen, uh, but it's the same principle exactly as what you described. So those genetics are getting passed down to that second gen and then she goes and mates locally. So yeah. So there you go. There's, there's lots of lots of ins and outs and ways that you can go through and do your own queen rearing. And if you have not ever tried it before, you should at least in some form or fashion, you should at least do it at least once, even if you've only got two colonies and you're thinking about, well, I might want to requeen this one, or I really love the way that this one colony does, you know, right. use some of that to your advantage. If they, if they try to swarm and you can prevent it and you can get some of those swarm cells, use those to go through and possibly requeen the other colony, take that queen out, introduce in that swarm cell and, and kind of see what happens. But it's definitely an interesting aspect of beekeeping that every beekeeper right. should at some point attempt to experience. And, and we're, we're probably, it's a huge, huge topic because there's a whole lot of other methods. Those are very, the simple ones that are really easily accessible. There's the Doolittle method, there's a Miller method, there's the on-the-spot method, there's all kinds of uh, various different ways to rear queens. Um, and um, the, um, what was I going to say? The, uh, the various differences of different um, queen castles, uh, mating nukes, the comfort hives, you know, there's all kinds of different ways to go about to rear those queen cells and finish them and, and all that stuff. So uh, that's a very extensive topic, though. I don't know if yeah. I have enough. No. Yet. Well, in the, the after effect. So this is just about how you get that started, like what processes you would do to start your rearing, um, finishing them out, having them emerge, mating them, having mating nukes, they they have some really cute teeny tiny ones but they're a pain in the butt and i've never necessarily got them to work right yeah, but you know you've got like all kinds of different options out there on on well it's it's like every aspect of beekeeping the possibilities are endless these days with right. your selections and options of all the different routes that you can take equipment that you can use um but again definitely something that i think everybody should try to do once That's at least true. once <laughs> And I think that everybody owes it to their own apiary to have um, spare queens. 
keep them in a small nook and and just throughout the year if you have an emergency and you lose your queen you crushes you crush it or she's not performing the way you want to that little colony is a holding space that you can harvest that queen and just requeen that colony really quickly uh, bringing in all the bees with her and just kind of merging them uh, so you don't have it, it it's a little bit more seamless um, and it's a backup backup queen basically have backup queens in your apiaries that will make your life so much easier oh the other thing i wanted to mention when you're doing splits or or things like that you do not need to buy a queen if you um especially if you're leveraging the swarming instinct right so you're going to get those queen cells the, too many people i think want to buy their queens they're not trusting the bees to rear their own and i think that's potentially a um a shortcoming of a lot of the you know misconception it's misconceptions you don't the, the queens if they are under the right condition i mean the colonies if they're under the right conditions it will raise the base queens and you can play with a lot of things you don't have to buy all of those queens i don't know about you but i'm having a hard time putting two right. together <laughs> train of, the train of thought has Ooh. left the tracks i'm not sure That's the tracks are really even intact <laughs> no i'm i'm right there with you um you did bring up something though that made me think of of one extra little side note and this is something that i used to do all the time so i mentioned the term queen banking and that can be used in in yes. many different aspects but if you were going through and you were doing queen rearing and you ended up having this little nursery colony or a builder or a finisher colony that you were using. Um, you get all your queens, you do all you need to do. Maybe you've got a queen that like, she's not horrible, but you wanted to replace her genetics or whatever. And you just, you just don't really want to necessarily offer just yet. She can right. always be put into a cage and she can be yeah. added back into a colony, just like your queen bank or sorry, it is your queen bank, but just like your nursery colony, she can be added back into a colony who is full of nurse bees. That's going to go through and protect her feed her, take care right. of her, control the temperatures and everything. So you don't have to worry about anything like that. And she can stay in there for a decent amount of time. So if you do have something fail, say you were trying to raise that queen and it didn't work, maybe they didn't accept right. the queen cell that you put in there. Your queen is still there and you can still take her and reintroduce her if you needed yeah. to, to that colony. So the concept of queen banking is a whole other topic oh, again, yeah. just like the, the other things we were talking about mating nukes and things like that. But Queen banking is definitely something that can come in handy if done right. Don't bank the virgin queens. Don't bank right. a newly mated queen who hasn't really been able to lay for more than a couple of weeks. Don't that bank can... them with queens inside the colony. Yeah, don't bank them in a colony that has a queen. That's a whole different scenario. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can you can use that to your advantage. And that's something that I would actually have on hand. I would actually have a queen bank. And sometimes even when I would order in a bunch of queens, I might have you a use immediately for some of them, but yeah. then I might still have five or six that that didn't necessarily have a colony. They were spares. Maybe I, you know, turn around and offer them to one of the local clubs or tell people I've got extras. And in the meantime, they go into a queen bank and you can keep them all kinds of healthy and fine just like that until they're ready to be used. Yeah, all of them in the same one. The ba basic principles, correct me if I'm wrong, you're putting a bunch of nurse bees with no eggs uh, or young larvae and no queen, and you just set them aside as a mini colony, a five-frame nuke or a mini top bar nuke or whatever, and then uh, you use you put those queens in the cages and all of them in the same little 
holding place called individual cages <laughs> for yeah, anybody so that listening means, who no I, meant. Meant, I didn't yeah, i didn't mean that you I meant that yeah i didn't mean you meant that but you know, for anybody it, listening put them in individual cages if you've ordered yes. them they're going to be in individual cages you just leave them there um right. but the concept is going to be they don't have nurses or attendants in the cage with them it's just the queen and you have them and you put them into the bank and if it is a small nucleus type colony, you can go through and again, like you said, no eggs, no larva. It's just your nurse bees. You might have some capped brood in there so that you'll have new bees emerge right. and that's nurse fine. Um, but you need to make sure that they've got food and they oh. can go through and continue to feed her. But you can even use the, like if you order a bunch of queens, you'll get a battery box. Right. And a battery right. box is actually made for a certain type of, well, it was made for batteries, but it was made... There, there is a type of queen cage that is made for just the queen that doesn't have the attendance to it, and they have a little tube on them that fits perfectly down inside it, that battery the box. The, the um, queen cages. Queen cages. So they go down in there. It's basically candy side ends up going down into this hole, and you can even use that box. You can use that for a couple of weeks so long as you're cycling out the bees inside there, and you it provide them with... Yep. You provide them new fresh nurse bees and you can, again, you can open it up, let the bees in there fly out. You can dump in new bees, close it back up, but you need to make sure that they're provided with water. So usually in a couple of the cells on one side, I'll fill those with water and maybe put a sponge with a little bit of water. And then you need to provide them with some food. So you can do a sugar syrup or you can do a granulated dry sugar or a sugar candy, something in there. So they can go through and eat that honey. Yes, absolutely. Honey. Um, and then they will feed on that and they will turn around and they will take care of the Queens and the Queens are going to be yelling at each other the whole time because <laughs> they're yeah, in close they proximity. <laughs> those calls, and, um, the nurse piece, it's very important that you refresh them because they will age out of their nursing capacity. So that's why you're, you have to swap them out and refresh them. Um, the, you want an anecdote? I, I once had to remove a lot of queen. I was just kind of doing some requeening and, and I had a bunch of the old queens that I put in a jar and I was going to take them home and put them in uh, alcohol. And the whole time, none of them were fighting. They were feeding, I mean, doing trophylaxis with each other. So I had like maybe like seven queens in one jar and nobody was fighting. I wonder I if it's because they were out of their element. Out of their hive. I think that's why. Yep. Mm -hmm. They, there was no competition because nobody's in anybody's oh, colony. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's nothing to rule. So it's like, all right, well, friend of my enemy is my friend or whatever. <laughs> enemy of my friend is my friend. <laughs> However yeah. the hell that goes. <laughs> My brain is fried. <laughs> I know. I think we should call it quits because those two days not, you know, the best conditions for this. Nope. So, yeah. Nope. Definitely not at all. Um, so hopefully uh, somewhere along there, some of this made sense <laughs> to everybody. And uh, again, if, if you haven't ever tried it, do some reading, do some research, but try to give it a shot at one point. I mean, if you've Absolutely. only got one colony is really kind of not going to help you out very much, but if you've got multiple colonies, two, three, four, and you want to requeen some of those, uh, maybe you've got a colony that went queenless or you've got a colony that is just not performing the way that you want it to use some of these techniques and try to actually raise your own queens or allow your bees to raise queens and then take those and, and install them into the new colonies and see how it works 
educate yourself on the whole bee biology and especially uh, reproduction. Get the Winston uh, biology of the honeybee, uh, read through that, those chapters, especially the ones on swarming and queen reproduction. Um, the Bee Sex Essential uh, by Dr. Connor is really good as well. And so just kind of get yourself a few basic books and, and um, educate yourself on the reproduction cycles. You need to understand not just the queens and their development, but also the drones, because that's an important part of the equation. Um, and that's how you kind of learn to improve your genetics. But every backyard beekeeper should play with queen rearing, their first year even, uh, if only it's with swarm cells and things like that. But I think it's an important learning experience. Absolutely agree. So there you go. There's your homework for this spring once it starts to warm up and you've got some opportunities to get out there, but you can spend your time right now doing some of that reading and some research and then yes. uh, make some plans because that's that's how you do it. And then the bees will we'll take make, your plans and throw them out the window. <laughs> and they won't read the book, but that will make you a better beekeeper, even if your queens suck. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, everybody. I'm just saying they might. Uh, you know, we're all we've all been there. Definitely. Trial and error. It's if it you know if at first you don't succeed, try again. <laughs> exactly. That's how we learn. Yes. All right, everybody. Well, we're going to leave you with that little uh, last little tidbit of things to think on there. So. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Again, hopefully it made some sort of sense because I get my brain's mush and I don't know that I'm even carrying on a right train of thought. Yeah, before yeah. we get the deep worse, we're both in the, yeah. Yeah. So we look forward to talking to you next week on a hopefully much more coherent version of a beekeeper chat. But until then, everybody, be good. And be mindful. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees. <laughs>